three, two, one. Oh my goodness, everybody. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. I am your host, Andrew Pearson. This is the film room here on 88.9 The Bridge. I am finally back after what feels like over a month of break. My goodness, it's it's great. It's great to be back. It's great to be back. Um, I have not done a single show since before Christmas break. So that's about a week or two before uh, December 24th. And I'm really sorry, guys. Uh, I've had a couple of opportunities to make shows in the past two weeks, but it's just been disrupted by finals and whatnot. And it's been it's been kind of stressful keeping up with everything. But I'm finally back this week. Uh, I'm gonna make this episode short. Uh, but so just for a refresher for those who don't remember my show, uh, we break down at all of your favorite NFL players, teams, and schemes. Um, all from football. This is mainly a football show. And I analyze it for you guys to make us all uh, better understanding and smarter football fans when we watch our favorite games on Sunday. Um, I'm going to be talking about some football today. I have no film analysis this week. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, it was just not going to work with my schedule this week. And um, there are more important things to talk about. Now I don't really like uh, I I I don't I don't like leading with with this topic, but uh, it is something that happened over the weekend, and I think it's very important to to mention it. Um, NBA Hall of Famer and one of one of the most influential um, sport sports players of all time, uh, Kobe Bryant tragically passed away this weekend in a helicopter crash with um, not only himself but his daughter as well um, as well as nine other people it it was an absolute tragedy and I wanted to take the first uh, little segment of of my podcast this week to honor uh, Kobe's legacy Uh, he was he was somebody who who really went above and beyond? He, he's not a hall. Of, he's not completely a hall of famer because of the stats he put up. He's a hall of famer because of the work ethic he brought to the to to the game of basketball every single day, and how he he inspired millions on his work work ethic alone, and he he seemed like somebody who was a truly honorable person. He seemed like a great father. Uh, you can go back and watch uh, films and tapes of him and his daughter, uh, you know, talking basketball, talking about schemes in basketball, analyzing basketball. And it's really cute and, and heartbreaking at the same time. Very, very bittersweet videos um, of, of Kobe just being Kobe with, with his daughter and... It showed that he 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 had a he had emotions he had true honest to god emotions, and it's a side of of super super superstars in sports that you don't regularly see, and it was just all part of humanizing Kobe Bryant and how good of a, of a person he he really was. Um, he he influenced thousands. He really did. And 
I feel as if I'm not completely qualified to fully um, pay tribute to him because I'll be honest with you guys, I didn't really watch basketball growing up. I never really had a personal attachment or disdain for Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. Um, it, it just really, it just wasn't part of my life. But looking back, l- looking on it now, uh, he's a true cultural influence. Because uh, e- e- me personally, I grew up playing video games. Uh, and a lot of my kind of you know, pop culture awareness surrounds video games. And even there, Kobe Bryant was mentioned all the time. You know, it, a character does anything resembling a dunk. You know, everybody shouts, Kobe! It's It was fun. And now I'm starting to realize that's gone. And that those sayings will never be the same because we we lost a good one, we really did, and um, I just wanted I just wanted the first segment of this podcast to uh, to pay tribute to to, to Kobe Bryant, and uh, I believe the Saturday before Kobe Bryant died, he he died on on, on Sunday by the way. Um, LeBron James was wearing sneakers. Uh, paying tribute to Kobe Bryant. Uh, I don't remember specifically what they said, but it was in some way a tribute to Kobe Bryant. Uh, and on on Saturday, LeBron James, uh, I believe, broke the NBA record for total points scored. Apology if um, if I'm getting those stats wrong, but he broke a record. Point is that was previously held by Kobe Bryant, and was previously held by Kobe Bryant. When Kobe broke it as a Laker, and now that LeBron is a Laker, um, it's strangely it's very bittersweet. It's very bittersweet that he broke Kobe's record uh, a day before he died as a Laker. It's tragic. Uh, my my thoughts and prayers go go out to the Bryant family. Uh, I believe Kobe Bryant had three children uh, along with his wife, so. Um, Two members of their family are gone now, and personally, I couldn't imagine if something similar to that happened with, to my family, and I hope it never does. Um, my th- Again, thoughts and prayers go out to them. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you, Kobe Bryant, for the influence you had on American culture, as well as the guidance you gave to so many pro athletes, as well as just being an inspiration to every to everybody that saw your work um really really great seemed like a really great dude and uh i think the world lost a good one this weekend um i know the transition uh to my next few topics are kind of heavy and kind of very juxtaposed to to you know talking about kobe bryant so what I'm going to do, guys, is I'm going to take a short break. I'm going to clear my head for, for a minute or two. And then we are going to come back. Uh, I'm going to talk about Eli Manning as a Hall of Famer, uh, whether he is or isn't. Uh, then we're going to go into Super Bowl predictions because it is Super Bowl week. Uh, and 
I'm going to kind of catch up on some NFL news that I've missed in my month off. Thank you so much for listening. I will be right back. Alrighty, folks, we are back. Welcome back to the film room. I am your host, Andrew Pearson. Um, this, this is the show where we try and make everybody smarter and more aware of football fans. Uh, that that little intro card changes every single time I do it. But uh, welcome, welcome back. Uh, I just got done talking about Kobe Bryant. Pretty sad. I felt sad. Um, I don't want to talk about Kobe anymore. Uh, let's talk about uh, Eli Manning. Uh, sorry, I was, I was just looking at my friend uh, in the window, um, acting like a spastic. But uh, let, let's go into the next. Um, let's go in, let's go into the next topic here. Uh, is Eli Manning a Hall of Fame quarterback? Uh, Eli Manning retired. Li- uh, I believe last week, uh, he retired from the Giants. Uh, he felt it was important to retire as a New York Giant. Um, and to be honest with you, there it's very divisive on on whether people want Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame or not, uh, and whether they think he deserves it or not, and all this garbage. But to be honest with you, um. I don't think I don't think see here here's the here's the dilemma. I don't think Eli Manning deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but I also think he's going to make it. See, it, it it I think the prediction of whether somebody will make it or whether somebody deserves to make it are very different arguments. Because there are tons of players that deserve to make it who simply will never make it um, maybe due to recency bias or, or whatever and um, some make it on merit of you know one or two good years and being a kind of popular player in the league and I think that's what Eli Manning falls into I think that I think that's the category he falls into now I'd like to be very clear I'm very exclusive when it comes to um, Hall of Fame, uh, Hall of Fame inductees. I am very exclusive when it comes to that. In my opinion, you should only be in the Hall of Fame if um, if you made a genuine, sin- significant cultural impact on the NFL, and if you have, you know, really great, truly great stats. To back that up, and if you did it for a prolonged amount of time, I think that I think that's the best way I can word it. Um, to be honest with you, uh, if, if it's really touchy with Eli Manning because I, I believe the Hall of Fame should be exclusive. I, I think it should be truly special to have a bust in Canton, Ohio. And it be just uh, an absolute godsend that you even make it. Uh, I think it's the highest honor you can earn. But nowadays, with them letting just about anybody in with an okay track record, um, I don't really appreciate that. Which is why I think Eli Manning will get in just based off his two Super Bowl runs. uh, And, you know, basically doing nothing else. 
but um, it, it's just it's fresh. It's it's really weird. So let, let let's get it. Let's get into, into why I don't think Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. Passing yard stats aside, I believe he's top. I believe he's top fifteen. Um, he has he has I believe the forty first or forty second best QBR uh, in the league in terms of um, you know total uh, QBR over an entire career. He's forty first or forty second somewhere somewhere in there. He's in the forties. Does that sound like a Hall of Famer to you? That's not even the top 32 of starting quarterbacks. It's it's very worrying that, you know, that guy is our first ballot Hall of Famer. He's behind guys like Ryan Tannehill, Dak Prescott. I don't think he's behind Trent Dilfer, but I do think he's behind Michael Vick. Um, let's see, who do we want? Probably behind Marcus Mariota. Probably behind Marcus Mariota with an 84. An 84 is very low, by the way. Uh, he's behind Kirk Cousins, behind Jimmy Garoppolo, behind. Uh, no, there's no way he's behind Blake Bortles, but you get my point. There are tons of milk toast to above average guys that are all way, way ahead of Eli Manning. You also have some veteran players. That came in. That came around the same time he did. That are le- leaps and bounds above Eli Manning. You, for example, you have Ben Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers of both of the 04 QB class that are both way ahead of him in QBR. Uh, I believe pass yards as well for both Philip Rivers and um, and Ben Roethlisberger. But don't quote me on that. I don't have the stats in front of me. Um. It's just he has lackluster. He has lackluster stats. It's unfortunate, but it's true. When comparing Eli Manning to other supposed first ballot Hall of Famers, his stats don't add up. The only stats that he can compete in are um, are QB starts, which I believe he's he's the third. Most uh, he has the third most starts, consecutive starts in the in NFL history, and that I will give to him. He has been an absolute Iron Man his entire career. Uh, he's also uh, he's also very very much high on the total yards list, um, total total passing yards uh, over a career. I believe he's somewhere in the teens. Uh, or maybe I don't think he's top ten. He might be top ten though. Uh, but those are the only two stats he can he can even compete in. Uh, he has a really bad career um, touchdown to interception ratio. Only an eighty four passer rating over his career uh, was kind. And ask yourself ask yourself this question: Was he ever? A top 10 quarterback at any point in the league? Seriously ask yourself that. Was he ever a top 10 quarterback in his own league? Was he even a top 5 quarterback in his own conference? Was he even the best quarterback in his division at 
any point in his career. Seriously ask yourself that. Because if if Donovan McNabb for the Philadelphia Eagles was outshining Eli Manning in the NFC East for the early 2000s, and if Tony Romo was outshining Eli Manning throughout the 2010s, and if Dak freaking Prescott and Carson Wentz were both outshining Eli Manning in the twilight of his career, was he ever the best quarterback in his division? By the way, none of those none of those names I, I listed are Hall of Famers. Tony Romo, I guess you might be able to make a case for, but for the most part, none of those quarterbacks are Hall of Famers. Yet why is Eli? Well, most people will point to, you know, his two Super Bowl runs. Here's the problem, though. If you actually go back and and look at those games, you'll notice one key trait. And it's that his opponents in ever in both Super Bowl runs, all of his opponents throughout the playoffs scored 20 points or less. You go back and look at the stats. Giants win uh opponent opponent um 17 points, 17 points, 16 points, 16 points, 20 points, 17 points, again. What that told me is why football is a team sport. Because very clearly, Eli Manning was never able to carry a team to to a win. He never could. I don't I don't count the miracle helmet catch um, and then the touchdown to Plaxico Burris uh, on that same drive back in the Super Bowl to beat the undefeated Patriots. Well, actually, I guess I can count that game. Those were those two Super Bowls were, were the only truly great games of his career, were the two Super Bowls. And the only reason he won those in the first place were, were because his defense were, were amazing. His defense was amazing at the time. Ever since then, he sucked. He, he really has not been great, despite having weapons like Odell Beckham Jr. throughout the middle to late portion of his career, despite having maybe quite possibly a generational receiver, he couldn't get it done. And last year, he was just shot. He was done. He was dead. It's unfortunate. But let me ask you, is that a Hall of Famer to you? Is that is that a Hall of Famer? A guy who could, who, who could not carry his team to a win. A guy who, despite having a couple of good Hall of Fame caliber stats is immediately destroyed by, you know, a 40-second rating in QBR and the fact that he was never the best quarterback in his division. Let me ask you, is that a Hall of Famer to you? Look, 
a lot of pe- a lot of players have gotten in for less uh, into the Hall of Fame. I, I mean, a lot of players have gotten in on a lesser record, and good for them. And because of that, I think Eli Manning will make it to the Hall of Fame. But he, I don't think he he really deserves to be there. And I think it's silly that so many people are so passionate on him being a Hall of Famer when, honest to God, I don't see it. I don't see it with him. I think he'll make it in, but it, it, he, he, he really shouldn't make it. It's unfortunate, but that's just how the cookie crumbles. Guess, guess Drew Pearson, wide receiver for the Cowboys, is going to have to wait another year. Woo! Congratulations, guys. We uh we devalue the Hall of Fame today. All right, that's enough apathy for uh for one segment. Let's talk about Super Bowl predictions. Woo! It is Super Bowl week week week. I'm really dumb, guys. <laughs> English is hard. Don't bully me. Um. Was it Super? Does it count as Super Bowl week or weekend? Because the Super Bowl is this weekend, but it's also Tuesday. Uh, when I'm recording this, it's Tuesday. By the way, Happy Wednesday to y'all! Uh, if you're driving to work, um, good for you. Keep your eyes on the road. Um, let's talk Super Bowl predictions. Uh, our slobber knocker match up for this year is bum ba bum bum bum. It is Kansas City versus San Francisco. My goodness, what what a great matchup. Um, I'm really, really excited to watch this game. Um, last year's Super Bowl was an absolute snore fest. I really hated it. Uh, Rams kind of sucked. And the Patriots kind of didn't want to win, but they won anyway. Uh, what was it? 10 to 13, I believe, or maybe 13 to 6. It was something to 13. Uh, Patriots favored, but I mean, it, it was it was a terrible Super Bowl. It, it I don't mind defensive battles in in high stakes games, but the only reason that game was low scoring was due to bad offense, and that's what I really hate is watching bad football stumble their way into the championship game. Thankfully, we do not have that this year. This year is going to be a good one. Uh, Let's start with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Obviously, all of this starts with probably the greatest talent to ever play the position. And And I'm not joking when I say that. He may very well be the most talented. Patrick Mahomes, for the Kansas City Chiefs, may be the most talented quarterback I have ever seen. That's including people and quarterbacks, such as Michael Vick and Lamar Jackson. It's truly, it's truly astounding how much talent Patrick Mahomes has. Um... You know, the one-of-a-kind arm, the the spatial awareness, 
the the pre-snap reads the the for the play extension just making something out of nothing the wow plays the wow throws it never stops with Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes is astounding it, he's amazing Unlike Eli Manning, he can carry it. He can't. He, he not only can carry a team to a win, he could. He could quite possibly car- carry a team to to a Super Bowl. And um, I'm really happy to say that. I'm really happy that he is that good, and that we're seeing this matchup uh, on Sunday. Now, um, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to do great. Against the 49ers secondary. Uh, I think he's going to roast them alive. uh, Like he does almost every team. And I am excited to watch. Now, if you... I'm going to move on uh, from just Patrick Mahomes alone. And actually, let's do this. Let's just compare position by position. uh, One team to the other. If you look at quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo for the San Francisco 49ers, you will see a quarterback that is really, really good. I I think Jimmy Garoppolo has already grown into a top 10 quarterback, and I'm really happy to say that. The fact that he even made it to the Super Bowl, I believe, proves that Bill Belichick valuing him so highly when he was first traded out of, out of New England uh, was is great. Uh, I think it proved Bill Belichick right that he wanted, he supposedly wanted to move on from Tom Brady at the time and move forward with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Robert Kraft, owner of the Patriots, said no, we're sticking with Brady. And the rest is history after Belichick traded Jimmy Garoppolo to the 49ers. I'm very excited for Jimmy because. He has the fastest release of any quarterback I have ever seen, and that is including Tom Brady. He has great footwork. He's an amazing leader. Uh, the arm, the arm strength is very good. Not not world breaking breaking or anything, but still very good. And he has a great football mind. He can throw the ball into spots that. You know, very few quarterbacks can even get to, and that's mostly off of his fast release. It's great, and um, I think he's, I think he's also going to do well against that Swiss cheese um, Kansas City Chiefs defense, uh, a defense that is really disappointing, though I do think is getting better, or has been getting better throughout the year. Uh, that is all uh, I've got for you guys at the moment. I will be back in a minute, and I will break down the rest of my Super Bowl prediction. Um, and I'll break down the rest rest of the position groups and see how they stack up against each other. Uh, by the way, I think Kansas City has an edge in the quarterback position, and that's mostly due to how unfathomably talented Patrick Mahomes is. Uh, I will see you guys in a minute. Um, yeah, I'll see you in a minute. Later. Alrighty, folks, we are back. Welcome back to the film room. I am your host, Andrew Pearson, uh, the show that makes us all 
smarter and more appreciative football fans. I am in the middle of making my Super Bowl predictions and analyzing uh, both teams in this year's Super Bowl. It is Super Bowl week or weekend. I don't particularly care how you call it, but the Super Bowl is this weekend. Uh, I just got talking about... I just got done... Excuse me. English is hard. (laughs) English is hard, y'all. But I just got done... Just got... Give me a second. (laughs) I just got done talking about uh, the matchup between the quarterbacks of the two teams in this year's Super Bowl. uh, Jimmy Garoppolo for the 49ers and Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I'm going to go position battles now. uh, And I'm going to be trying... Going to be trying to go kind of quick uh, if you can't tell a little out of practice in uh, in recording and whatnot uh, I've already been over this so let's get into it um, let's go into Chiefs O-line versus Niners defensive line this is one of the few areas in which I bl- bl- truly believe Kansas City is going to have a nightmare of a time because the 49ers defensive line is borderline one of the best defensive lines I think has been put together in years. And I'm not and I'm not joking with you. The entire line is studded with first round picks and it's got it's got some elite talent there. You have former Chiefs edge rusher uh D Ford uh who is the the only reason I first I mentioned him first is because um this is almost a rivalry game almost. Uh Again, he used to play for the Kansas City Chiefs last year. Uh, I can't remember if he was traded or if he was simply let go in free agency. I think it was free agency because I know they traded uh, Quan out. Yeah, they. Wait, when did where did they get where did the Niners get Quan Alexander from? It was from Jacksonville. I think they traded they traded for Quan Alexander from Jacksonville, uh, but they basically got D Ford out of free agency. And um, he's been a, he's been really good when he's been on the field. He's been kind of banged up for the majority of the year. But the true star of this 49ers defensive line is Nick Bosa. The second overall pick this year has been an absolute impact everywhere on the defense. He is an elite edge rushing talent already in his rookie year. I am extremely excited to see where he goes uh, from this floor that's already so high. I mean, his floor is the ceiling of so many other um, edge-rushing prospects. It's been wonderful. It has been a joy to see him do his work at, at the edge. He is a master technician. He's not exactly the fastest, but he makes up for it with power and technique. It is absolutely beautiful to watch. I'll break him down at some point. Uh, in the future. Uh, and then you have DeForest Buckner on the inside, Ar- Eric Armstead, or Eric Ar- Armstead. He's, it's basically Eric with an A at the, at the beginning. Uh, they're both really great defensive linemen. Uh, and then you have a fifth guy, Solomon Thomas, who they spent a first-round pick on uh, in 2017, who's been kind of a flame-out, but he still has a lot of talent as well. Uh, it's really astounding to, to watch all of these guys work. Um, and if you look at the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line, they're just eh. They're more, they're slightly above average on the offensive line. Nothing special, nothing terrible. 
but to be honest with you, that's just simply not good enough to deal with the 49ers defensive line. Patrick Mahomes is going to be pressured on, I feel, every couple of dropbacks. I, and I really do mean that. This, this defensive line is absolutely scary, and I am really, really excited to see what um, what uh, Kyle Shanahan and Robert Sala, uh, defensive coordinator for the 49ers, uh, cook up for this Kansas City offense. Now let's flip the script. Let's let's look at Kansas City D-line against Niners offensive line. And the Niners offensive line is the clear advantage here. Um, I'm sorry to say, I still think the the Kansas City Chiefs are soft in run defense. Uh, they, they just don't have solid run defenders on the inside. They have a good pass rusher in, um, in Chris Jones. He's a really good pass rusher from the interior, but is he really that good in run defense? He's just kind of fine, and they don't really have anybody else outside of him. They they got Frank Clark in a trade with Seattle early in the year, and Frank Clark hasn't really done much. He was supposed to come in as a, as a pass rushing specialist, but he just unfortunately hasn't really worked out so far for Kansas City. He's, just, he's been very quiet. And uh, contrast that with the Niners' offensive line, which has been star-studded almost the whole year. It is impressive to see this Niners' offensive line work. Uh, Jimmy G has all the time he he ever needs in the pocket uh, when loading up for a throw. And it, as they have shown in the past in the past three weeks throughout this entire playoffs is that they are a truly dominant group when it comes to to running the ball down their opponents' throats. It is scary, and I am really excited to see that group work. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm I'm kind of, I have a soft spot for offensive linemen. Uh, I think it's I think the I think just watching how they work in um their techniques is supremely interesting. I don't understand why people don't don't give offensive linemen credit. It is extremely entertaining to watch. Um, very underrated. I don't understand why people don't watch it more. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited to watch this Niners offensive line work. I think they're going to continue to run the ball dominantly. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, I don't think the running backs matter in this game at all. Uh, I, I, I'll just give you a, a little precursor and a little uh, hint on how I think about the running backs. None, none of them matter in this game. None of them matter. On the Niners' side, you have pretty much the same dude cloned four times over. Jarek McKinnon, uh, who is hurt, who has basically been hurt since last year with two torn Achilles. Uh, when he was playing in 2017, uh, he was just this outside zone runner who was very fast, kind of Kind of small-bodied, uh, kind of easy to hurt, but you know, hit holes well, had good vision, and was really fast. But Matt Breida this year has pretty much been the same thing. So has Raheem Mostert, and so has Tevin Coleman. I think they're all actually, you know, five ten, uh, two hundred eleven pounds, all run, you know. 
low four fours, high four, high four three forties. It's ridiculous. They they're pretty much they pretty they're pretty much the same guy, uh, three times over, um, as depth at running back. They're all pretty much the same, and they all run behind big holes uh, left by that Niners offensive line. If you take the flip side, and if you look at the Kansas City running backs, uh, they're all kind of you know scat backs. Uh, I believe Damian Williams is going to start this game. And he's a good one-cut runner. He sees a hole. He hits that hole well. He can run in between the tackles a little bit. He's good at catching the football out out of the backfield. Um, I like Damian Williams. But, you know, he's not really going to matter. Especially, especially against the 49ers linebackers. Because the 40... Dirty little secret about the Niners defense. Their linebackers are actually insane. They, it's it's ridiculous watching the 49ers de- defense work because you have a secondary uh, with the defensive backs that are all you know above average to average, but then you have this front seven uh, group of linebackers and defensive linemen that are so incredibly dominant that the secondary can pretty much patch any little any little zit that even appears uh, out of the front seven. It is. It is truly incredible. They are suffocating. They are wonderful. Um, but let's get back to the running backs for Kansas City. Uh, yeah, they, they don't really matter. Uh, Damian Williams is fine. I believe they still have LaShawn McCoy as well, but LaShawn McCoy is just kind of a, a shadow of his former self, you know? It's, he's, kind of, he's kind of the same guy, uh, and he's just older now, even though he was with Buffalo. Uh, he's just, he's just LaShawn McCoy. He might actually be hurt, but, um, uh, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. And, uh, yeah, that's about all I've really got to say about, about that. Edge goes, Edge just simply goes to personnel here for, for offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebacking group. All go to, in the 49ers' favor. And I know I'm kind of skipping over... Uh, positions. If we go to skill positions, which is just wide receivers and tight ends, first of all, I think the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs have the top two tight ends in the league in George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. Uh, watch, keep an eye on the tight ends in this game because it is going to be wild. Uh, you have quite possibly the most talented tight end since Rob Gronkowski uh, on the 49ers for, in George Kittle. He, I, I think I made a breakdown on him um, earlier this year, but he is truly amazing. I have never seen uh, a tight end quite like him, quite as fast, quite as physical, and quite as fluid as George Kittle. But that's not to discredit Travis Kelsey on the other side either. Uh, Travis Kelsey, while he's not that great of a blocker, he is a great receiver. Uh, in the passing game. So keep an eye out for the tight ends in this game. Uh, no real advantage for either team. Um, and if we go to the rest of the skill positions, uh, specifically wide receiver, uh, the name of the game is pretty much just speed. And all of that goes to Kansas City. Uh, their entire entire receiving core is pretty much just track stars, which pair really well with Patrick Mahomes' big arm um, it's it's great. Uh, it 
Travis or Tyree Kill, excuse me, uh, is a great route runner. Probably, probably the fastest player in the NFL. Great hands, great jump ball ability. Strangely, for being you know a kind of shorter player, it, it's incredible. It it is wonderful to watch. Uh, advantage. I feel I feel like there isn't any real advantage because if you go on the other side to the 49ers, they have you know all of these technical uh, great route runners such as Emmanuel Sanders and uh, Debo Samuel and Debo Samuel especially because he's just wonderful in open space. He just finds a way to make a man miss and get yards after the catch in the open field. Uh, that's what Debo's, Debo Samuel excels at. And it's, he's just a great weapon for the 49ers to use. I feel as if there's no real advantage for either team here. Maybe slight edge to Kansas City. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I've got to say there. Uh, special teams don't matter. Uh, well, they do matter, but uh, I don't think they're people. So, there you go. Uh, if you notice, if you've been following my rant here, uh, I've been giving most of the advantage... To the San Francisco 49ers. I've been giving a lot of props to San Francisco for building an elite, talented team. And I know I kind of skipped over a few positions for Kansas City, but to be honest with you, San Francisco pretty much out-talents them at every position other than quarterback and arguably tight end and wide receiver. They really do. It's it's really impressive to see such growth out of the 49ers, especially since they were essentially a laughing stock just three years ago. It's it's a shocking turnaround and I'm happy it happened. Uh, you know, I think the I think the I think the league is better when the 49ers are better. Uh, the, the the NFL is a better product when the, when the San Francisco 49ers are a good team. And the fact that it's finally culminated after years of frustration and dealing with Colin Kaepernick and all this stuff and dealing with Chip Kelly as their head coach, it's finally time for the 49ers to rise up. I think they will win this game. Um... Part of me still wants to lean Kansas City just because of the Patrick Mahomes factor. And uh, that's a very real... There's a very real chance Patrick Mahomes just kind of shows up to the game and wrecks everybody just because, you know, he's that much better. I really do think he's the best... He is the best quarterback in the, in the league at the moment. Uh, it's a bit arguable. You can argue Russell Wilson is better. But I prefer to, to lean on the Mahomes side. It's truly impressive. I am I am genuinely impressed on how not only how fast uh, Patrick Mahomes grew, but now that he's in the Super Bowl, unfortunately, I just think there are too many holes on the San, on the Kansas City defense to make up for uh, you know to make up for San Francisco's. Just overall talent. 
San Francisco is simply too talented. And they have a quarterback now in San Francisco that I really do believe in, in Jimmy Garoppolo. I think it's time for San Francisco to bring home the sixth ring. All right, folks, that is uh, it for that prediction. Uh, I will be right back in just a few minutes. And I'm going to talk about the future plans of this podcast, of this radio show. Uh, I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, plans for the future, what I'm going to be covering, draft stuff, all that good stuff. Uh, I am going to take a short break, however, because my throat is dying at the moment. And, um, you know, it's... um, it's hard. It's hard to talk uh, as a job. I respect. I respect everybody who does this as a job, and um, you know, talks constantly. I find it impressive. But, uh, anyways, guys, I will see you in a couple of minutes. Let's take a short break. Uh, yeah, let's cut away. Alrighty, folks, we are back. Welcome back to the film room. I am your host, Andrew Pearson. Uh, this is the show where we try our best to uh, make us make all of our listeners uh, better and smarter football fans uh, and appreciate the game more. I swear that reintro changes changes every single time I do it, but uh, man, it's great to be back. Uh, this will be my final segment for the day, and uh, I just want to discuss what the plans are uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, I've, I've, I'm going to be very clear. I've definitely marketed uh, this show as a as a football oriented show. Uh, I'll be quite honest with y'all. Uh, I don't know much about uh, other sports. I couldn't I couldn't analyze uh, baseball or basketball the same way I can football. Uh, I just simply don't know as much, and I simply don't care as much. Uh, so here's what I am aiming to do uh, for the remainder of the year. Uh, today or this week is Super Bowl week, as I've said multiple times, and uh, I've been trying to find substance for everybody to to listen to uh, as the weeks progress. And uh, here's here's the plan. Uh, first of all, the XFL will be starting uh, very soon this year. Uh, the XFL, if you don't know, uh, was formerly a, a defunct uh, and poorly managed brand new football league back in uh, the very early 2000s. It was really weird. It was marketed like UFC or uh, Monday Night Raw, if you remember that, uh, and WWE. It, it was owned by... Um, Owner Vince McMahon, owner of the WWE, and uh, it was very weird. It was a very weird league. Um, it definitely focused more on uh, spectacle over substance, and as such, um, it it fell out of favor with the public, and it closed uh, after one year. Uh, now the XFL is back. And uh, it's coming back with a vengeance. <laughs> it's got eight new teams, and I'm very excited for it because it's taking and giving opportunities 
to several players who simply didn't get a shot in the NFL for one of those coveted 53-man rosters uh, for the 32 official NFL teams. And what's so exciting is that you can follow players that, you know, may have not may not have gotten a shot in other places actually succeed in a brand new league. And I've done some re- I've done a lot of research uh, on this league and I am very excited. Not only do does not only is Vince, Vince McMahon returning as owner of this league, but he seems to actually have financials put in place and financial security for the entire league. Uh, he he's been a professional. The brand new, uh, I believe, chairman of the league uh, is actually Oliver Luck, the father of former NFL quarterback uh, Andrew Luck. And it is, to me, this is all very exciting. It's all official. Uh, it's it's all very structured. There's a very clear plan uh, for all. It's 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 a very clear plan for. Um, for this brand new league, and I think I think the league actually has a good bit of talent in there. Uh, I'm really excited to see uh, what all these brand new players can do. Uh, a lot of these players are actually out of college as well that uh, would have normally gone undrafted, but are now getting a chance to finally develop uh, in you know more more traditional football in a, in a more traditional football environment. And I think it's I think it's very promising. And one of the eight teams is actually here in Seattle. Uh, for those who don't know, um, I, I am assuming almost everybody listening to this podcast uh, or show uh, on the radio is in the Pacific Northwest. And as such, uh, Seat- the Seattle Dragons will be coming to the XFL and to the city of Seattle. And they will be coached by uh, former Seahawks quarterback uh, Jim Zorn who also had coached the uh, Washington Redskins for a year uh, before, you know, that that garbage heap of a, of a franchise uh, let him go after one year. Uh, but point is, uh, you know, it, it's actually got former NFL greats and talents coaching and officiating, and it's got all these brand-new rules uh, that aim to make you know, make the game a little bit faster paced and actually including some brand new rules that I think should be included in the NFL and ones that the NFL should consider. Uh, they're very they're very forward thinking. I like where the XFL is going. And point is, uh, in this overarching topic of what I plan to do in the future, now that football season is kind of over, uh, I plan to cover the XFL a lot. Uh, And I'm really excited for it. Uh, The second thing that uh, I'm going to be covering now that the uh, regular season is finally over and Super Bowl Sunday is just around the corner, uh, what I will be covering from now on is draft coverage. Um, Especially all of my film film analyses are pretty much going to be brand new... uh, NFL projected rookies, and I might even do a big mock draft episode where I put together uh, all of you know the top prospects and 
see who fits best where and why. And I'm really excited to do that for y'all. Uh, I already did one uh, one draft analysis uh, earlier this year when I did uh, edge rusher out of Ohio State, Chase Young, who, by the way, is pretty much going to be Von Miller. Um, I'm very excited for him. And uh, he, I, I kind of wish I didn't do it at the time because it would have been great to do uh, now that we're going in, into the off season. And uh, I'm very excited. I'm very, very excited. Uh, I can't. I honestly can't wait. Um, and uh, I, I, I'm going to be trying. I'm going to be trying to cover uh, more obscure prospects. I'm not. I am going to be doing. You know, the big guys. For example, Joe Burrow, quarterback at LSU. Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, I already did Chase Young. Uh, all of those big prospects, I'll I'll do my best to do. But I also want to go into some more niche prospects. Uh, maybe some guys from smaller schools, such as SMU or Tulane or Eastern Washington. Uh, maybe even Wazoo, uh, Washington State University. Uh, and see if there's any, you know, hidden talent that, you know, would normally go uh, overlooked by the general public. And I'm very excited to bring that to you guys. Uh, I want to do my best to get back into the analyzing groove. I know I haven't done an official analysis since uh, before Christmas break, so I would love to bring that to you guys. Uh, and I would just, it, it would be, it would, it makes me happy analyzing football for you guys. So I want to do as much of that as as I can uh, over the over this off season. And uh, that's just another thing that I plan to do uh, now that football season is over. Uh, two more points uh, for stuff for off-season plans. Uh, two more main points. Uh, one, one, I guess number three really is uh, I'm going to be covering off-season stuff. So uh, I want to I want to talk all about uh, next episode. So next week I want to talk about all the coaches that were hired. And uh, I want to give you guys a more educated opinion now that I've had time to cool down and simmer on, uh, you know, the new coaching hires for each and for all five NFL teams that uh, fired their head coach this year and hired a brand new one. Uh, I'm excited to bring that to you guys. Um, I'm definitely excited to be talking about uh, Mike McCarthy and Joe Judge and uh, Matt Rule and... Uh, who were the, Ron Rivera and all that, all that good stuff. I am excited to bring it to y'all. Um, and I want to bring uh, a more moderate, a more educated opinion than, uh, you know, some fiery clickbait kind of thing. I'm excited. I'm excited. And, uh, also, um, I'm going to be doing analysis, uh, retroactive analysis on evaluations of certain quarterbacks throughout the year. Uh, for example, I want to see how good uh, Josh Allen, quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, really is. Uh, I honestly couldn't get a grip on him throughout the entire season. Um, and I want to see how he really functioned and see all all of the progressions he made from his rookie year as well as what he can still work on uh, this offseason. Because I think there's a lot of room for improvement just looking from an outsider's perspective. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited. And 
And uh, one final thing. Uh, one final thing. I feel like I just blank. I'm blanking out right now, man. Um, oh, jeez. Uh, I was I was about to say something, but it just blanked in my head, disappeared, kind of like Malaysia Airlines, it disappeared. But all right, yeah, now I found it. I found it. I found it. I, I realized what I wanted to say. Um, I want to I want to talk about Lamar Jackson and why he um why he failed in the playoffs because. A 14-2 Ravens team that was rolling throughout the entire season. Is it possible they just peaked early? Is that possible? We'll see. And uh, next week, I'll definitely be doing a breakdown of the Super Bowl. Uh, that's that's my plan. All right, y'all. Well, this was a nice and quaint uh, episode. Uh, I, know it's, I know it's a bit long. I'm going to be posting this to... Uh, you know, Spotify, SoundCloud. It just to let y'all know, uh, my my show now posts everywhere. So if you just look up KMIH um, eighty eight nine the bridge, and then you search up the film room, you will definitely find um, my show on Spotify or SoundCloud, and I think it posts to iTunes as well. Uh, this podcast will be out there. Uh, I hope y'all listen to it. I would love it if you would share it with your friends. Uh, it's always an honor here uh, for me and my peers here at 88 on the Bridge uh, at Mercer Island High School. Uh, if you would just po- repost and share uh, our shows uh, to, to, to the public. Uh, I'd like to think that I put a little more effort into my my shows than a lot of other football shows that uh, on this on this uh, on this radio station that you know just kind of look at headlines and call it a day. Uh, I personally uh, try my best to put in more effort and more analysis than uh, just looking at a stat line or just looking at a headline. Uh, so I would really appreciate it if you could help grow my show. And I would really appreciate, and I think everybody here would appreciate it if you shared um, all of our shows with your friends and family. Um, I know, I know, some of them are kind of hard to listen to. Uh, I've listened to a couple myself, and uh, sometimes I can't stand my own voice. But um, it'd really be appreciated, and we all, um, we all here at 88.9 The Bridge. Truly, truly appreciate uh, all of those listening and all of those sticking with us, uh, stupid little high school students, and uh, it's great. It's great. Uh, this show is my sh- my program is like one of the longest too. Uh, that that's pretty much all all I've got to say. In closing, uh, thank you all so much for listening. I am going to end the show today with a transition to one of my personal favorite songs uh, in my entire life. I love this song to my deep core. It is so close to my heart. Uh, it was written by the great Chris Christopherson, but the true legend, uh, Johnny Cash, performed it. Uh, Johnny Cash is one of my favorite artists, period. And this is Sunday Morning Coming Down, uh, performed by Johnny Cash. Uh, I, my opinion, the best version. And that's what I'm going to leave um, this show off with tonight, or today, uh, this morning. Uh yeah, this is the morning show. This is the morning show. Um, thank y'all so much for listening. Um, if you enjoyed, 
uh, and if you if if it made you smile, if it made you think, uh, I I really hope it did. And just knowing that the customer and the listener is pleased is what pleases me. So thank y'all so much for listening. Have a great day.